Welcome to Draft Guys, hosted by your favorite beer league grinders, Shanti and Bobby. They discuss everything fantasy hockey to the NHL. This is episode five of the Draft Guys podcast. I woke up this morning, I turned on the TV, I was getting ready to watch the Outdoor Classic on Lake Tahoe, the 18th fairway, this beautiful ice surface. It was looking really nice out there. I'd really like you guys to listen in to what we were talking about. It's on our YouTube channel, that's Draft Guys with a Z. We're about to release our third episode. Go over there, watch the video if you like what we got, smash that subscribe and like button, and uh, we'd like to check in with you guys later on on that. Now, Sean, I have to say that Winter Classic was... A phenomenal game to watch, especially the first period. But like you said, please go over to our, our YouTube channel, take a look at that, and we'll continue there. But the episode that we're going to be talking about on episode five, players trending up, players trending down, and this is going to really dive in to fantasy leagues. So if you're playing in a fantasy league format, this is the perfect time to tune in because we're going to let you in on a few insights there's also going to be a few blunders that you took early in the draft that you just can't cut your losses on. We're going to talk about that and maybe some hidden gems that could be picked up or could help you out in a short-term basis. I'm interested to hear all of that and what we're going to talk about. How are you doing right now in your league, Rob? Um, I got absolutely robbed last week. For the people that have been listening in, I had a tie two weeks ago and ESPN Fantasy League completely robbed me. Um, they gave the win to Callum Hiller, which is absolute horribleness because it's straight up tie. You look at the stats, it's a tie, but they gave the win to Callum Hiller. He needs it. So you were supposed to, you were about to get back to back ties yeah. and now you got a bat, a tie and a loss because you tied on time on ice and they gave it to Callum. Yeah. So my first tie came from that f- fantasy goal from Columbus versus Carolina. That gave me the tie, so mm-hmm. I got robbed yep. there. And then I literally got robbed this week by ESPN and the stats. So um, Callum Hiller's team needs this W. They're not a good team. Um, I'm confident with the team I have in place that I don't need it. So you know what? Take it. I, uh, I myself have won three weeks in a row. I'm tied for first in our division. Um, I only have one other dragon to slay to take that top spot and get that bye week in playoffs, and I'm pretty stoked on that. It's going to be a tight, tight week. Uh, We got one more night to go. I'm taking on Calvin Johnson, and right now I'm winning in the goalie categories, but barely, and I'm just sneaking by. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think I got it, but at the same time, I... I don't really know because right now I'm sort of nobody's scoring. Petrangelo's not scoring. Stone isn't scoring. We hyped up Vegas and then Vegas just hasn't appeared in the last three games. They're just low scoring matches. And those are sort of people that I'm relying on and I'm not really getting it. So it's going to be really tight, even though Calvin Johnson has not won once this season. So do you know who's low scoring? And that is Zabanajad from New York Rangers. Yeah, Mika Zibanejad, he's ranked 58th overall for centers right now. He's rostered on 97% of ESPN leagues. He actually was drafted as a keeper, 6th overall in our league by Ben Gockman. Yep, and you know what? That would have been a safe bet last season. He was a dominant force. He was strong. He got five goals in one game. He was an iconic player. He was a force to be reckoned with, especially because... There wasn't a lot going on in New York last season, and he was producing well. 
Yeah, he had Panarin, but really no one else really showed up to the show. So this guy, he was drafted 17th overall in our league, second round keeper by Ben Cockman. It sort of just really shows that he had very high expectations. And right now, yeah, he's not showing up to the ice. Yeah, currently right now he's played 12 games and he only has one goal and two assists. That's three points in 12 games. He does have a very high amount of shots on net. If those shots aren't getting you points, then you're just knocking down one category if shots on goal is a category in your fantasy league. And if you look at it, he's produced less points than most third-line grinders on majority of teams. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I don't really know what's going on with New York, right? You know, they have Capo Caco and Alexis Lafiniere, but nobody's really producing in New York. It's almost getting to the point where you need to sell Zabinijad because he's not doing anything for you. And there are other players that are available in your league that are producing just as good. Is it, is it that time that it's like, Hey, do I drop him the waiver wire? Nah, he might turn it around, but it was a guy that was firing on all eight last year. And this year, nobody is doing well in New York. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as dropping him on the waiver wire. He still gets 20 minutes of ice time. He does get those shots. And the potential is always going to be there. It's always going to be that lingering thought in the back of your head. So I definitely wouldn't drop him if point production is your game. I would definitely work out a trade. He is a chip still. He's a bargaining chip. Anyone's willing to take that risk, especially this far into the season. Yeah. There are other players, though, that are that are like this is what I'm sort of trying to say is like on the waiver wire, like in our league, Dylan Strom is available currently. He's on the second line, first power plane unit in Chicago. Chicago is doing great. They're third in their division right now. He's getting 18 minutes of ice time a game. He has four goals, four assists, and 10 less shots than Zabinijad. You're talking a guy that's getting comparable numbers, but actually making those numbers work for him. And we can all agree there's not a lot going on in Chicago. So it's a very, you know, it's the same atmosphere going on. Zabinijad, do you say that he's trending? Obviously, he's trending down. Do you see him as a keeper for next year or do you see him going back into the waiver wire, back into the draft and falling very far? Yeah. If the season doesn't go well, if Panarin doesn't come back, if New York doesn't really start firing, really connecting out there on the ice, getting some points right now, it's a short season. They're going to, a lot of people are going to cut their losses with him. He's going to be available next year. Definitely in our league. I don't see him being used as a keeper. Like right now, New York, is 26th in the league for goals per game. You know, we're, we're on the same agreements there. Now let's move it on to another team that's struggling hard. The Team Tool Guardians was brought into the league this year. We had a few people drop out. He came in as a GM. Um, this is Callum Hiller. I uh, gave him some advice not to draft this individual, and he still took him pretty early on, and that was Eric Carlson. He drafted him 71st overall. And that's the sixth round. That was a high draft pick. What do you think? Yeah, Eric Carlson, the guy hasn't been performing at Eric Carlson, two-time Norris Trophy winning Eric Carlson level in probably three years. He had one good year with Burns out of San Jose, and then he hasn't ever lived up to that contract that he signed after that one year. He's ranked 101 among defensemen in fantasy leagues. And he's still rostered on 92% of leagues. This is a guy that is not performing. He's played 13 games. 
He has zero goals, four assists, 22 shots on goal. This is a guy that should have way more. You can't be the offensive defenseman and be getting 22 shots in 13 games. You know what? You can't even hold the elite title with these stats. You're not performing a majority of the categories that fantasy owners would want you in. So you, you can't be considered this elite defenseman anymore. It was like last year, he fell in our draft and he did not perform where he was supposed to. Two years ago, same thing. So I think it's I think it's safe to say, I think it's finally time to remove this label of him being an elite defenseman. He would have to take a drastic step forward next year. And I don't see it happening, especially as him getting older. A lot of people forget three seasons ago, he had a surgery that shaved the bone on the back of his ankle. That's going to that's gonna make you scared of blocking shots. It's going to change the dynamic of what your role is. And it definitely shows when you only have 18 block shots on the season. You're a defenseman. Yes, you are supposed to be on offensive defensemen, so you're not usually primarily put yourself into that position. But he is... On the second line, second power play unit, but he might not even be able to hold that spot because if San Jose keeps going the way they're going, this is the time when you have to start figuring out who's going to replace these players because you can't be last in your division time in, time out. So again, this is another player that we've sat down, we've talked about, and I think it's time to say the stock is trending down and I see him falling very far in the draft next year as well. I don't see anyone keeping him, obviously, because he's so far ranked below. Um, and it's you know it's sad to see a career like Eric Carlson's away. It has progressed the way it's fallen. Like if you go back to where he was in Ottawa, he performed so well. He and was he had that he had that one one good year too in San Jose when he first came yeah, over. No, he did he did. But um, if you look at like how he played in Ottawa, if you put him, you know, could you imagine Brett Burns and Eric Carlson, the elite, the, the elite, you know, Eric Carlson playing the way he was in Ottawa over I, in San Jose and still going like they would be a totally different team. There was this, this one scene that I remember, um, in this one game, I couldn't tell you the day or anything like that, but it was LA Kings versus the Ottawa senators. They were going into three on three, uh, in overtime. And it was so funny because you had drew Doughty and Kopitar joking on the ice on who was going to cover Carlson, and they were both going, no, it's not me, it's you, it's not me, it's you. This is a guy that was dominant in the NHL, and he's fallen so far. At least he had his prime years where you can still go back and say, this is the guy that he wants to be, right? Or, the, sorry, this is the guy that once was. On the other hand, Ryan Graves out of Colorado, another defenseman, he just signed a three-year, $9.5 million contract a year in October. He played with Kale McCarr last year. And this is a guy that has dropped so far in production. This guy has played 10 games. He has 17 shots, one assist, and a minus five. Okay? This guy was drafted 58th overall in the fifth round by Calvin Johnson. The number that pops out, Meg, to me, when you talk about Ryan Graves on the avalanche. That is a minus five. That team scores so much. They are a strong team to see the minus five, especially when you only get games played 10. Um, your ice time is only 17 minutes to have a minus five beside your name is mind blowing. Okay. Yeah. He had a lot of potential. Yeah. And you know what? His opportunity is just getting smaller and smaller because he's like, Bo Byram now 
who's mm-hmm. now obviously getting that ice time. Getting he's get when players are getting hurt on the defensive lineup, he is taking those larger minute role playing opportunities. Last two games, he had twenty five minutes. Okay, this is his first year in the NHL, and he's already getting twenty five minutes. He just passed Ryan Graves. No, definitely. Ryan Graves went from a top line defenseman, and because he is such a poor performance going into the season he's already moved down to the third line and he even was a healthy scratch in one of the first 10 games this is not a guy that you want to be paying first of all nine and a half million a year and i'm shocked that he was able to get that money yes he had a very positive season where he was plus 40 last year he led the nhl in that stat and he was this 25 year old blue liner that had the eye of Jared Bernard, the head coach of uh, the Avalanche, and he has fallen drastically. This is a guy that you need to get rid of. The Avalanche are just a stacked team. Forwards, defense as well, because they also have Taze from the Islanders. So there's not a lot of room for Graves to get better. There's no way for the coach coach to help him. Once once you falter, there's someone there to take your spot in this, this team that is loaded. Right. And, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So this is definitely a stock that's trending down. I know we just covered three stocks trending down, but these are surprising names that are popping up right now. And a lot of people are going to hold on to these names because they did so well for them last year. And it's going to be your poison apple. Okay. If you keep holding on to them, it is a shortened season. There's not a lot of time to change things around. So you really got to play that waiver wire. I know COVID's a big thing. It's hurting a lot of people. But because it's such a short season, you, you know, you're not going to have much time for these players to turn it around and hold on to them. No, definitely not. In this 56-game season, these are players that you can't be holding on to. you got to drop them. We added more pickups and drops to account for COVID. If you've not been getting hit by COVID and you have increased your pickup and drops, this is a guy that you should be getting rid of and regurgitating out into the world and picking up someone that has an equal value at least. And then once he starts getting into his cold streak, you can pit, drop him and pick him up again if you wanted to. I think he's going to sit there and I, I think he's going to be sitting there. No other GM's going to pick him up. He'll be available for you when you need him. I still can't believe that he was drafted so high in our league. Like he was so good last year and he's just disappeared on such a strong team. Like, how is the world not aligning for you right now? Like this guy needs to figure it out and really figure it out quick. There's a player that does have an opportunity to get up because the next team we're going to talk about is very hurting in this position. They need to make moves. Um, we've talked about them in the last podcast as well. That's the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. You have Richard Raquel, who was again, a very high bolstered player. He's rostered in 24% of leagues. He's he's ranked 64th in his position, but he was drafted 30th overall in the 2011 hockey draft. And there's a lot of expectations for this individual. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of upsides to Ricard Raquel. Um, He gets 18 minutes of ice time. He had three assists in his last game. Overall, a plus three rating on a team that's not doing the best the anaheim ducks is 31st for goals and 30th for shots on goals right now so to have that plus three rating is actually sort of a positive and he has 51 shots on net like that's you know let's go back to zabinajad right now i'm telling you there's a guy that's way better and that's ricard ricard raquel right there right for anaheim 
Yeah. And he was not taken anywhere near as high as Zabinajad. Yeah, he was drafted 175th overall. And he's, his stats are very comparable to Zabinajad. And the funny part is, um, I love that you brought that up because offer this trade to Ben Cockman all the time, straight up, player for player, and he shoots me down. How is he shooting you down? Other than for ice time, this is a guy, he has 25 hits as a forward. Ricard Raquel is a way better player right now than Zabinajad. This is a trade that you should be jumping on. Problem is Ben just doesn't want to admit defeat and realize that Zabinajad is not a top league player anymore. And he's going to get some really low class number for him. And he's also sitting there going, I'm first in my division or I'm, is, is he first? I think he's first. He's, I think he's first. Yeah. yeah. He's first in my division. I don't need to make any moves, but you're not going to win this league. Do you know what? He if lost, you don't make some moves. He lost to me. He lost the Arlen Alamos. Maybe if he had Raquel, it would be a different story. Actually, it would have been, he would have beat me. Really? Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Do you, have any, do you have any downsides on Raquel? The downside is this, this, this you don't see this very often. Okay. Raquel skates on the third line. That's obviously, you know, you got to have someone on your third line. The weird part is, is that he skates on the first line power play. How many third line players gets dragged up to the first line power play? You know, and that just sort of shows you what's going on in Anaheim right now. There are players that are on the top line that aren't necessarily performing and they're still getting the respect of the organization, which it's very understandable. Like Getzlaff's one of them, right? You know, I had to recently drop Getzlaff because I had some players come off uh, COVID reserve. Yeah, it's, we don't really know what's going on in Anaheim. And this is a bunch of people that had, you know, potential and it's, it's gone by the wayside. And now you have, you know, young players in the, the woodwork, but they're just not ready to take over those, those spots. And that's why you have this third line going to first line because Max Income Trois, uh, old uh, uh, captain for Team Canada at the World Juniors. That guy is getting ice time, but it, and he's doing actually really well this season. He also can't knock Getzlaff out of there. So it's a sort of a power struggle that's going on in Anaheim right now. Yep, and Comtois actually got moved on to a second-line power play unit. He does have some fancy value as well. But downward trend, unless Anaheim can start producing on the forward side of the team, they got to, they like this off season. They need to realize what boat they are in because it is a sinking ship. It is one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst forward lineups put together. And the only reason they don't look as bad as they do is because of John Gibson. So until that supporting cast is built around Raquel, he's going to be a designated grinder. He's going to get those hits. He's going to get those shots. He's going to get you a good time on ice. But producing offensively, unless he's doing it himself, maybe with Comtois, he's not going to get you those points. How bad is it for the NHL right now having all three California teams not doing well? You know what I mean? Like it all started with Gretzky coming to the Kings. You had this growth in that area, and it's one of the bigger markets now in the uh, the states. And all three teams are faltering. This needs to change. They had their glorious time where Anaheim won a Stanley Cup, and then you had LA Kings win two Stanley Cups. This is now they got to figure out what's going on, and the whole California region needs to needs to organize their hockey. You know, it's best case for uh, Seattle Krakens. You know, it gives them an opportunity to step into a weaker division. They only have to stand up against Vegas, the Avalanche, 
you know, with the way COVID's trending right now, we can only assume that maybe if they continue to go next year, it's going to be another uh, four division. Yeah, with COVID, you're talking about yeah, yeah. like four four division based around uh, regional location. Yeah. So from the start of this podcast, we've been talking about a lot of players trending down, and I think it's time we start talking about a few players that are trending up, and that is Tyler Mott with the Vancouver Canucks. This one's going to be a weird one to talk about because he is on long time injury reserve. I don't expect him coming back anytime soon. He was dropped on waivers by Patrick O'Hulian, but he has done some amazing stuff, right? Um, the upside is for fantasy league owners is that his position is center, right wing, left wing. That's great. Yeah. If you have uh, re- registered spots for your fantasy players. Yeah. And you should because that adds another aspect to the game. He's ranked 20th. Okay. And that blew my mind when I looked this up. Because he's only 23% of the league still, even on long-time injury reserve. But he's not expected to return until mid-March. But he amassed a league-leading 70 hits in 15 games. Ridiculous. How That's did he, ridiculous. How did he have time to do anything else other than headhunt? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was still able to get 16 block shots, 12 pims, and 6 goals and 1 assist while amassing these 70 hits. Yeah, and that's all. In 16 minutes a night of ice time. He was out there crushing bodies. Keep your head up. Tyler Mott's on the ice. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm going to get, I'm going to pocket a goal here too. Maybe get an apple here and there. You know what I mean? Block a couple shots and destroy you in the corners. Yeah. Tyler Mott is my type of player because I'm, I, I don't watch time on ice. Time on ice is one of those stats I just put off to the wayside. I don't let it choose because time on ice can make you walk away from players that can get you five categories. Tyler Mott can single-handedly get you hits. Yeah, if you have strong defensemen to start with in your fantasy league, you have this team where you have a very high average ice time and you are winning those um, those categories with block shots, time on ice, those ones that those defensemen give you. This is a guy you can easily throw in there. It will lower your time on ice very slightly because it's based on an average. And then you're going to get the highest amount of hits and you're not going to be challenged at all in that, um, that department. Yeah. So, but if you look at it too, cause those six goals, one assist, that's seven points in 15 games. That means he almost gets a point every other game. You know, he's comparable to Ryan Reeves, Zach Cassian, but I think in time he's going to be a player that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Cause he's only going to get better. And I hope when he comes back, he will be the player the Vancouver Canucks need. You know, depending on how the Seattle expansion draft goes next year, it might slot in a top six role. I could definitely see him taking one of those spots because of his physicality. He can get out there and he can create space for a lot of the players that are destined to score for the Vancouver Canucks. And so I'm a big fan of Mott. He might not be a player you want to go for this year, depending how long long-term injury reserve goes, shortened season. Next season, when you're drafting, this is definitely a player you want to look for deep down. Yeah, yeah, late late rounds for sure. And then uh, if he's available, this is a guy that you can't pass up on. If he can produce these numbers and you're going into that draft and you go, hey, I can get a lot of hits here and some dirty garbage goals, then this is the guy you want to take. On the other hand, I know we talked over uh, Dylan Strome very, very briefly. Another guy that's available right now on most free agencies Tivo Teravaninen. Teravanen? Teravanen. Teravanen. Okay, Tio Teravanen, he was doing really well. 
for a, a long time last year. 68 games played, 63 points. He was on pace for a point a game last year. He's rostered currently in 82% of leagues in ESPN Fantasy Leagues. And this guy has five hits, four block shots, and 16 minutes on ice. This is a guy that's not having a good year. If you look at it, like, I could fool you right now. I could say, Terry Manninen. <laughs> in the last... You know, in the last five games, I could tell you he has two goals, five assists. And you'd be like, that's a player I want. That's a player I need. That's some offensive production that I can use on my fantasy league. Then I then expand that stat. And I said, you know what? Let's go to the entire season. And I tell you he has two goals, seven assists. Only two more points in 10 games. So, like you said, 16 minutes. No hits, no block shots. 82% of people have him on his league. I don't know, especially even when the coach comes out and says, quoted, that he's going to get dropped to the third line to mix up combinations in a way to spark something in the guy. That's not a good sign. No, not at all. And as a league manager, when my team faces somebody that has Terry Mannon on him, because the only thing you do is you drag down your ice time, you don't get block shots, you don't get hits, you're not producing points. It's You're, you're taking up a roster spot. So you're, I feel like you're one player behind. And I get to attack you all week with one extra player. You know, I do troll a bit. I love, I love trolling and I will offer trades. Of course. To this individual. And I'll just take my trash. Yeah. Raquel. Yeah. And I'll offer him for Terravan and I'll offer him for Zajinja bad. And nobody takes it. And I actually feel like I'm getting ripped off in these but, deals. Yeah. R- R- Ricard Raquel is not the trash guy though. The trash guy is if you're tools garden and you have TiVo Terravanen. On your team. Yeah. Do you want mind blowing? Um, not nitpick, you know, league manager moves. You know, I don't like to do that. You know, I like to focus on my own team. The tool guardian went heavy with Carolina. He also had Jordan Stahl. And he had players come back from COVID protocol. He had to make the tough choice. And he chose to drop Jordan Stahl. This is the same individual that drafted Eric Carlson. I specifically went on my way. I said, I'm a big fan of Jordan Stahl. Deep down in the draft, that's the guy I hunt for um, because he, he gets points, but he also gets shots and hits. He's a good player. He's a well-rounded player deep down. That's what you have to look for. Especially because Carolina Hurricanes right now, it's a very strong team offensively. And so far, this is very concerning. That all being aside, you got to give the Tool Guardians credit. They are on a three-week win streak. They came off a terrible start in Fantasy League. But this is his mistake. He dropped Jordan Stahl, kept Terry Vannon. Jordan Stahl is over a point per game right now. You're kidding me. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. Drop that guy. Don't need him. I need that That's 16 regret- minute That's play. a regrettable decision. Yep. And, and all you're doing is sitting for seven days a week, bi-weekly, able to determine who the best players are on the waiver wire. 100, yeah, 100%. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, it's very interesting when you look at, you know, Carolina's offensive team and it's crazy because I don't like putting my goalie in against Carolina because they're so offensive. Yep. And Tara Vanden is not part of that mix. No. He's not picking up those points. So it's concerning, especially when you're in the first line and you're on the power play and points are going in and you're not around to see them. Yeah, it's a guy that you're going to sell on this year. Um, and next year you're going to probably draft pretty deep down. In, in the later rounds uh, because right now he's not he's not performing and he either needs to turn it around with Carolina or this is a guy that's going to just go to the wayside. 
So if you look at the short term or production that he's provided, uh, two goals, five assists, this is where you sell high. I would, if I was the GM, I would sell Terry Bannon and I would just take another shot next year. I'm not saying don't ever look at him again, but sell, sell now, get something for return, something a little more consistent and something a little more well-rounded in the stats as well. Maybe, you know, shoot for something a little less production value, but get the block shots, the hits, the time on ice. I'm not a time on ice guy, but this guy's not doing anything for you. No, definitely. If you were to drop him, who's a guy on free agency that has his stock going up right now in the NHL? I'm a gambling man. And there's somebody that I like. He's sitting there. He doesn't have the track history or the production value that Tara Vanden has. And I'm not going to say that he is going to have that production value, but he's going to do a little better in the other stats. His name is Zach Aston Reese, third line Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. He was not available at the start of the season. He just came back. Now he came off long time injury reserve from a shoulder injury in four games. He has four points, three goals, one assist, 11 hits, 11 shots, two block shots in four games. Okay. So yeah, you're definitely a gambling man and not a smart gambling man. His stock might be going up, Rob. He's owning 9% of leagues. He's doing well right now. I'm going to have to tell you, you're going to need to take a longer in-depth sample side through more games. This is a guy that only has 14 minutes of ice time. Yeah, he only has 14 minutes of ice time. I don't chop time on ice, like I said, but I do own Brand Tanev, his line mate right now. Okay. okay. I drafted him from the start of the year. Okay. I ain't getting rid of him because that Pittsburgh lineup is a physical team. They get hits, they go out, they grind, and they produce a little bit. But yeah, I'm going to say it's more of a short-term rental, like a filler grinder position right now. Uh, his stock's trending up since he came back, definitely from from his surgery. Uh, it's a guy you'd have to take quite lightly. I don't know if I would drop TiVo Teravanen for him, but you're the gambling man, Rob. So with Zach Aston Reese, this is my move. This would, this would be my play Okay, for other GMs listening right now. Tell me. You're at the end of your week. Okay. You have some really close stats. You know, you have to shop around. Our GMs have done a really good job of picking up great players. Yep. Flashes in the pan. There's a lot of scraps right now. Especially in like the last three days of every every competitive week. Yep. A lot of scraps. There's a lot of players that you wouldn't touch with like a 10 foot pole. Zach Aston Reese is going to fly below that radar. You come to Sunday night. You're close in hits. You're close in shots. You're close in block shots. You take this guy, okay? Because my team's already losing in time on night, so I don't have to worry about that. You take him. He's produced four points in four games. Mm-hmm. That is confidence. He yeah. is a confident player right now. Okay. I already go in through the week with Brandon Tanev. Yeah. His line mate. So, yeah. you know, if I'm willing to hold on to Brandon Tanev from start of the season to the end of the season, I'm going to take a gamble on this guy. Okay. I, it's an understandable, it's a, it's a risky play from my view. I, I do have uh, three wins in a row. I'm second in my division. Uh, no big deal. But, you know, like it's not a play I would make, but that's okay. I'm dropping players like Getzlaff right now because they're doing nothing for me. You know, we got two different teams. I got a winning team and you don't. So if we're going to move on, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, he's still out for Buffalo. He just released an, uh, an interview that was uh, uh, with an article in Finland Man, that guy has had a tough time with COVID-19. The 26-year-old who is averaging 23 minutes of ice time talks about how he's still feeling exhausted. He sleeps 12 hours a night 
and he gets up for five minutes and he feels very taxed in any effort he's doing. You know, it, it, when they played New Jersey, they all got a lot of players on Buffalo got affected and it's pretty real. You know, a lot of this, we talk about people that are going out for COVID um, protocol and people that are getting affected by COVID, but it just shows that, you know, you can be a all-star athlete and you can actually get really affected by this. Yeah. That just puts in retrospect of COVID because as you know, you got a lot of anti-maskers, you got a lot of things like that. I don't want to get political with it, but it shows you a professional athlete, a young 26 year old who is in top condition, no underlining health problems. Fittest he's ever came into an NHL season. And he, his season is pretty much in question right now because he's cleared of COVID. But like you said, he's still taxed. He sleeps 12 hours a night. He gets up for five minutes. He moves around and he's completely drained. You can't play against the best players in the world unless you're ready to go. Yeah, he was he was on oxygen. He had chest pains that made him wonder if he was actually going to wake up the next morning. Alarming for sure. And uh, right now there's no exact return for when he's going to be back to play. But if he does come back... I, I wouldn't expect him to come back and be getting that same amount of ice time. If you have him on your, your IR, I would maybe hold him on your IR once he gets activated and uh, just see how, how it happens, how it plays out. It's, it's definitely sad to see how, how he was affected and uh, definitely it really, it really hits home and shows you how serious this can be, especially with the uh, professional athletes that are tip top prime condition. Yeah. So Buffalo team as a whole, Let's move into some, you know, team notes here. Sam Reinhardt, if he's available in your league, jump on him. The current lineup has him with Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl. Buffalo still hasn't found their groove. This could be the winning combination because we can all agree the pieces are there. Yes. To be definitely. a good team. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the COVID break that they had did interfere with any momentum they could get. A lot of teams have momentum now. They're getting through the games. You know, like you said, you have those underlining conditions with some players. This could be the winning combo. Yeah, they're there. You can tell they're now really trying to figure out how to how to make uh, this work. They do have Dylan Cousins. They do have Curtis Lazar, the blue and gold. Let's go Buffalo. Right. You know, for Fabby, this is a team that should be doing well. Uh, take Sam Reinhardt. I would, he's getting an opportunity. He's not owned in many leagues, um, especially with how Buffalo's performing. They're mixing it up. This might be might be something that pays off. Moving on to Chicago Blackhawks. I am blown away by the momentum and the players that are just stepping up. Like we got Lonkinen, just registered his first shutout. He's now moved back into third for goalie stats in the entire league. A array of rookies that have came into the league and they are just producing. You know, there's a lot of big pieces that couldn't come in. Jonathan Taze is gone. Corey Crawford's gone. The identity of the team is in question, okay? You got Patrick Kane sitting in his locker room looking around at the start of the season, not recognizing these faces. Not he, getting told they're going into a rebuild. No, and these rookies are a bright light at a very, it seems to be like a very short tunnel because if Lonkin can step up and keep producing, if this is not a flash in the pan, he carries it through the rest of the season, which he seems to do. He's got a great track record. I think he's like 10 games deep now, and he's third of goalies. Don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but... P.S. Suter, who's playing on the third line, he's doing great. I think he has like six goals, five assists. I'm, I don't have the numbers yeah, in front of me, but th- this is a guy that you need to you need to pick up for this short next week. Actually, just been uh, slotted in 
on the top line with Patrick uh, Kane and Alex Debrinkat. They have four games they're about to play against Detroit. This guy is getting an, a chance. If you have the available spot and you want to risk take a risk on someone, this is the guy you want to take. Chicago's playing really well. They're doing really well, and they're going to be playing against a team they should theoretically win against. He's on the top line. He's on the practice line with them. He's scheduled to be in there. If this starts clicking and working for him, this might be the start of something. Another young buck getting the reins and actually helping Chicago fly. Soar. Yep. And Chicago also has Janmark, who's also skating with Patrick Kane. And he's also producing at a very well-rounded rate. And it's really nice to see a team where the team from top to bottom producing evenly, you know, that's a very hard team to cover. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. you, as a coach who's sitting opposing coach, you know, you see a lineup go out and like, okay, these guys get three goals in the last three games. Yeah. It, it, the next line goes out three goals, last three games. And now you're like, you know, where do you play your defensive, your, your strong defensive lineup? Who do you play against? Obviously you play up against Patrick Kane. Then you got Alex and Brincat. And then you have, they've just seemed to be this, well-rounded team yeah i i think half of the reason why it's doing doing so well too is that it's so selfless once you have all these young guys that are making the roster spot they're not trying to jeopardize their position on the team they're all working together and as the players move up the lineup and down the lineup it's okay because they're sitting there going we're winning games we're not going anywhere i don't mind going down to the second line because this, they're not sitting on a pedestal. They're not the best in the, in the NHL in their eyes. And they're saying, I can go up and down the line as long as I'm playing. And I think that's what's helping Chicago do so well. You have Kane, Debrinkat, and then from there on out, it's how can I make this team be better? And for example, Suter, he's getting a chance to play with Kane and Debrinkat, and, and that's great. You know, the next four games for the next week, this is a guy you might want to pick up. Mr. Glaine, he picked up uh, Connor Murphy. Chicago Blackhawks D and DeHane, Chicago Blackhawks D. They get 35 shots a night. They get 36 block shots. They have 37 hits. That's a well-rounded D. That's a guy you want. They also really get well, over 20 really well minutes of ice time. Yeah. And then I still can't believe in our league, Jesse Pula-Arvey is still a free agent. This guy's only rostered in 39% of ESPN leagues. He is on a line with Connor McDavid right now. He was the one that scored for Connor McDavid's 500th point. It was a dish from McJesus. Pooley RV scored in 369 games for McDavid. How is this guy right now still only owned in 39.2% of leagues? You want to make sure you cash in this ticket? Walk out to the train station, get on that train before it leaves. Right now, Edmonton's flying on all cylinders. Same with Toronto in the North Division. This is a guy that's going to be playing deep. He's going to be playing a lot of ice time. And especially when you get to the end of the season and there's that grind where they need to secure that spot and it's going to affect who they're playing in the postseason. This is a guy that you definitely want to have. Washington Capitals. What's going on there? I'm playing um, the main goalie for the GM that I'm facing is Samsonov. Okay. Okay. Samsonov, he puts him in for one game. Samsonov doesn't start. Next game. Okay. You know, he's going to get a goalie stat. Samsonov doesn't start. So I'm a little like taken off by this game. So we're going in Saturday night, end of the week. Samsonov doesn't start again. Now I have to look into this. Washington has started Vanacek six games in a row. Is Samsonov not their starter? Is that not? 
you know, we talked about Vanacek at the at the beginning of uh, I think it was episode two. You know, it was a guy. He was showing numbers. He was showing he he can be that goalie. And I think I think Washington's jumping on it and they're saying, hey, you know, it's working for Chicago. It's crazy because you look at you know teams that have starters. Okay, you know, you look at Brand Holpe. You look at you look at Lundqvist. You look at Corey Crawford. You look you know these goalies that are established starters back in the day. Okay, we're just going back one season. And the backup has to wait patiently. Jacob Markstrom, Demko, you're, these, they're waiting patiently for their opportunity. And, you know, it feels like this, the, the defined starter seems to have a longer rope. When those guys finally move on or retire or however they leave their team, number two that was waiting patiently, that leash is short. Very short. But I, I think in the new age of the NHL, I think that starting goalie is getting shorter they're going, hey, we should be we should be cashing in on these these goalies on their hot streaks. We should be playing these goalies. Like right now, Halak in Boston, that guy is putting up great numbers. Great numbers. He's not starting that much, which is sort of where you talk about like that leash that still exists. That's a team that's had had the same goalie for a long time since um, Tim Thomas uh, left the organization. But the newer teams that exist. Let's ride a goalie while it's hot and keep riding that goalie. And this is why young goalies are getting the chance to play in the NHL. Yeah. And there's a lot of young goalies that do great. Like Carter Hart. He, I think Carter Hart broke that wall. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about it last, last podcast, Carrie Price, he's finally getting reliable backup and having these backups, whether you're Vegas with uh, Robin Leonard and flower, Montreal with Bryce and uh, then you have this situation where you have these backup goalies that now these starters even they're getting that chance to go I can take a breather and not really worry about it I don't mind him playing five games because it's going to help me get us deeper in the postseason I'm going to come in fresh I'm going to come in ready and in this short 56 game season it's definitely coming in it's the one downside to Toronto you who's behind Frederick Anderson Right. You know what I mean? He's going to have to play a lot of games unless the team is willing to take those losses because they're charging up the standings. Right. You know, top, top, top of the North division. Is this going to affect how Seattle Kraken changes how they draft? Are they going to go from the number one starter or are they going to go with the young rooks? It's going to be very, very cool to see Seattle Kraken actually come into the league. They watched Vegas, right? Very recently come into the league and how well it worked for them. They have a lot of opportunity here because of the salary cap issue. Now, a lot of teams before were probably going, hey, I got a goalie you could take that's getting paid a lot of money. Bravosky out of Florida, you know what I mean? But now you got the Seattle Kraken going, hey, we're going to take your third string because, you know, chances are he's got some life in him at least for two seasons. I like to say, Sean, this was a number one. This was a great podcast. Really enjoyed doing it with you. Yeah, I had a great time, Bobby B. You know, we, we focus more on the fantasy side of things. We strayed a little bit different from our normal format, and I really enjoyed doing this. It was great. Um, I hope you as viewers and listeners enjoyed it as well. Um, thank you for tuning in. Like always, 